This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for listening in. I am Beverly Isla, your host. Today we have three special guests. You may have seen them if you've already watched the reality series called The Pack on Amazon Prime. And if you haven't seen it, I apologize for giving out the end result. I just finished watching it and I loved the effort that must have gone into creating it. Plus, you get to see cool parts of the world. But as a quick Coles notes, the show is similar to The Amazing Race, except with dogs and their owners completing the challenges together. And I was stoked that almost half of the dogs are rescues. And in fact, the final four had two rescue dogs, giving out a little bit of the end result, named Derby and Duchess and their awesome owners, Lucy and Kentucky, are here to chat with us along with one of the show's dog trainer, Nicole, who ensured the safety and well-being of the dogs were a priority throughout the journey. So when we get back from these messages, we will hear from Lucy, Kentucky, and Nicole. Moose is the German Shepherd and hasn't had any kind of health problems at all. He has been on Dynavite since he's a puppy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. We tell anybody that has a dog, if there was something that you could do right from the beginning so that you don't have expensive veterinary bills, why would you not do it? Get the Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Get some Dynavite. How happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with two of the final four contenders from the reality show, The Pack, being shown on Amazon Prime, as well as the show's awesome dog trainer, Nicole. Thank you for coming on today, guys. I can't wait to hear some inside scoop. Thanks, Thanks so much for having us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so how long were you guys all on the road for? Like real time. How long were you guys out? I think uh, since we were told that we were gone for almost 68 days through the whole filming. It started in January and then kind of went from there. Oh, oh you guys just caught pre-COVID then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right before everything kind wow. of around the world. But, you know, we were definitely got it done just in time. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I would have thought way longer than what is that? Almost. Uh, just over two months. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was a fine oiled machine. They had, you know, a very clear and clean cut schedule where, you know, the travel day was followed by a rest day for the dogs. And then they had three days of filming various, you know, your, your leader of the pack challenge, your pack challenge, and then the elimination challenge. So it was very, while they didn't really give us any information on like what the challenges were going to be, we knew and can anticipate that, after every travel day, the dogs would be able to rest for the day, acclimate to whatever climate or time mm. change, things like that. So it, yeah, it ran very organized as far as like getting through all the countries within X amount of days. Yeah. When oh, that's awesome. Myself, Nicole and Nick, the other dog trainer, we wrote a, I think it's 22 or 32 page safety manual. And <laughs> a big part of that from the beginning was after dogs fly, they need a day off. It's something I do with my own dogs when we travel. And I think it's really important and for the dogs and their partners to bond and enjoy the city a little bit. 
And then when we figured out the travel route, Nick and I wanted to make sure our shorter flights were first. And that was in order to help oh. the dogs acclimate to flying. It's a whole new experience for everybody. So by the end, I, these two can also add to it. They were all superb flyers. Duchess and Derby would just hop on the plane and go right to sleep. So. <laughs> <laughs> they earned their That's little wings. Uh, and have you guys watched the show since completing filming? I bet you. Yeah, for sure. It's been yeah. months. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I have three kids, so I've watched it about eight times in a row. Actually, not in a row. It's like we watched the first season back to back, then we watched it again. And now it's like the Mickey Mouse Club where like they just pick what city they want to watch any particular day. They're like, today I'm feeling like Vienna, you know, the next day it's Switzerland. But yeah, we've watched it a ton of times. Love the videos Lucy posts of her kids and they all have like their own commentary now that they've seen it so many times and yeah. it's so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. That's one way to look at it. I went from episode one to four and then I jumped to like three last episodes. <laughs> oh, you gotta but go back and watch. Now I'm gonna watch the middle part. <laughs> all right, Nicole, let's put you on the hot seat. So how's it. your experience ensuring all the dogs were happy? Like I'm sure that must have been like, uh, whew. Not pressure, but okay, I got to do this. <laughs> there was definitely stressful moments just because this hasn't been done before. And so as a dog lover, we just want to make sure the dogs are safe. But yeah. making sure every component, I mean, months and months of planning went into it. Just making sure every single step of the way we had notes on what would happen. And if we had a backup plan and then a backup backup plan, yeah. just to ensure everything. And then, of course, there's the training aspect of it all. But I For think sure. we spent so long prepping and long, long meeting days going over everything. Everything ran really, really smoothly, which was our end goal and seeing the dogs have fun with their partners. And I think the best part for me is seeing it all pay off, seeing those bonds grow even more with everybody. Um, mm -hmm. I can usually talk specifically about Derby and Kentucky and Lucy and Duchess. I think Lucy's is a very unique, special story um, that I'm happy to dive into seeing it from a training perspective. But yeah, a lot of work and ensuring every step of the way the pets are cared for. And I train dogs for TV work already. So this is a bit different because normally we get on set and we have a plan and we have a script. This is the safety doesn't end. We're done with the challenge yeah. and they're going back to their hotel and they want to go play. We need to make sure they get to the hotel safely. And then where's the play area? And is that safe? And at the end of the day, that's really what comes first, making sure the dogs are happy and safe along the way. For sure, for sure. Well, you did a good job, it seems like it. And I know yeah, the I dogs had a good long nap when we got home. <laughs> a week long for all you guys. <laughs> now, I know the dogs are in training for the specific challenges prior to actually competing, right? What time frame did they have to learn it? So we did around, I think it's five or six weeks of online training via Zoom. And at the time, Zoom was not a popular thing. So now it's really funny to discuss it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, go here and log in. Now everyone's a Zoom expert. And then that was really just getting the dogs acclimated and used to everything. So we never just put a harness on a dog. It was really building up a positive association. And then from there, everyone came out to LA and we did two weeks of in-person training in Los Angeles in December. And there was actually more dogs in the 12 cast. So what we were looking for is one, the dog's personalities, their partnership mm -hmm. with their human, but making sure the dogs are enjoying this. So this is something Nick, myself and our vets were really keeping a close eye on taking notes every day, 
because we wanted to ensure when we go out there, these are dogs that are going to love this adventure. It really is once in a lifetime. So we're seeing how they're learning, how they're bonding. And I think in the end, it definitely all paid off. And while they didn't know the specific challenges, we wanted the dogs to succeed. Nobody wants to see a dog fail. I personally don't. So they got to learn every skill. Granted, they might not be knowing how they're going to use it or what it would be. And then between our December training and January, everyone can go home and practice those skills more and really grow. So I know both Kentucky and Lucy did that. And I've seen some footage, which I loved of Lucy. I haven't seen as much of Kentucky Day, but Lucy involved her whole family. And I think, especially with a rescue dog, that really grows your dog's confidence. And she really tuned into that. She had the kids hiding the scent work. She had the kids on a sled (laughs) while the dog was pulling. And it really just shows you what a dog can do at any age, no matter where it comes from. I I get emotional talking about it. Thank you for bringing that up. That's so important. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's not just Lucy bonding with the dog. The kids are involved. The whole family's involved. And I think every family, no matter where you got your dog, that's so important because your dog really is a member of the family. So it's never too late to train. It's never too late to start learning new things. My dog, Maggie, is a rescue dog. She's 13, and she learned a new trick last week. So it's never too late. Congrats, Maggie. (laughs) I just wanted to pony off that and say, you know, just to give you an idea, before we started training, Duchess literally knew fetch and sit. She didn't even know paw. Like, not because she couldn't, because I just never taught her. And so the fact that she was able to acquire all these skills and all these new tricks at eight years old and like not only learn them, but eventually master so many of them, it really is truly kind of remarkable to watch and witness firsthand. And you kind of had the mom guilt of, oh man, I should have done this a lot sooner in life, (laughs) but you know, never too late. And um, nope, my tagline was always, we're here to prove you can teach an old dog new tricks because she was an older dog and she learned a whole lot of tricks. So it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You have a good story, which I'll get into very shortly. Um, But this is for all you guys. What were some of the top funny bloopers (laughs) with the dogs? I wish they had recorded that. That would have been funny to watch. There's one that aired. You guys probably remember it better than me. Was it Duchess or Griffin? One of them like pooped at the finish line. Uh, (laughs) That was Duchess. Duchess is Duchess. (laughs) And and actually, they only showed her pooping at one finish line. She actually pooped in Mexico. Like, I think, like, because she's so in tune with my emotions, we were both like, we got to win. We got to win. We got to, you know, get through this challenge. And so I think, like, we were both, like, in game face and game mode. And as soon as we crossed the finish line, both of us just relaxed. Literally, her bowels relaxed because she would just poop after every finish line. it was recorded wasn't it yeah one of the times one of the times was recorded but she did it at several finish lines yeah it was pretty funny funny. Kentucky you probably have some good bloopers I mean anytime Derby and I were on camera was a blooper (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'll tell you this story because it involves us too and it was one of the funniest things I was in London doing an interview outside of the hotel kind of uh feeling away. I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but I was feeling away and it, you know, was kind of down. And, um, I look up behind me in the hotel room and it's, he's got to be like on the eighth floor and Kentucky and Derby are like pinned against the window. Oh my and God. Just like 
waving and dancing and blowing us kisses. And I'm like, I just couldn't help but laugh so hard. And it just like immediately like lightened my spirits. And I'm like, okay, I'm good now. I got my guy. He's up there making me laugh. So, and he did that for everybody, like all the time. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of times, like I would just be in the background, just when people are trying to be serious and I'm like, oh, we're here just to have a good time. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, having a party. So let's, let's have fun. So that's what I was trying to do the whole time. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> the whole thing a little less stressful compared to every other competition show. I mean, you can't really be that mad. You can be disappointed if you have to go home, but you at least you got this new experience with your dog. But then there was Kentucky and Derby that just like took it up a whole extra level. And I mean, you are in a competition and even from our standpoint, safety wise, just watching everything, it could be stressful. But when you have these two goofballs, I know for me personally and emotionally, it was very helpful and touching many, many times and Kentucky and I've had talks about it and how much it really meant. Off of an emotional note, another funny moment that didn't get aired and I was quite bummed was Jack's peed. I think it was like at the jail when they were trying to get the keys. And I was like, so <laughs> that didn't make the cutting and I was sure it would. But Kentucky couldn't see it because his jail wasn't next to Vanya's. So it was just like, here's Kentucky trying and like Jack's peed and I just like died. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my, well, you need that balance, eh, right? Like from being a joker to all the stress that's involved in making the show happen. So that's <laughs> kind of Kentucky. Kudos for you and Derby. I always thought yeah. Der watching Derby, he was so chill. I don't know how you keep those any type of glasses on him. <laughs> that's you know, like, Derby is just so compliant. He like he allows me to do so much crazy stuff to him, but he, he enjoys it. Uh, I feel like now the glasses, if I if he has them on, he knows he's going to go wherever I'm going. So it's like, all right, oh. I'll, I'll keep these on as long as, you know, I get to go in the truck and, and I get to go wherever you're going. So it, he kind of understands now, like, oh, okay, if I wear this stuff, we're going to go do something together. <laughs> ah, good association. <laughs> Let's turn to Lucy, because I really want to get your story out there. You mentioned your story in episode, I think it was one or two, and it was very heartwarming. Perhaps you can share it here with us and how Duchess came into your life at just the right time. Yeah. So I was a mom. I had a baby and a toddler at the time. Um, my baby was four months old and I thought it was a great idea to uh, adopt a puppy. And since I grew up with black labs, I just always have the most fond association with them as like family dogs. And I had this little family and I knew I wanted a family dog, but I also wanted a rescue. So I looked up shelters around Los Angeles and I found the Southern California Labrador Retriever Rescue. And they had a four month old black lab named Halo. And they named her Halo because as a black lab puppy, which aren't always that chill, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. <laughs> she was like an angel, they said. And we're like, well, let's go, you know, meet her. And I met her, they met us up at a park and it was like, I just remember like taking off running to her as soon as I saw her, like leaving my baby and husband and toddler behind, like just running to her. And um, she was just, you know, such a fun, like loving puppy. And like my kids could like crawl and pull on her and she just never really reacted. So she was just a very good dog from like day one, literally. And um, two years later, so I got her at four months, two years later, I was pregnant again with my third child and lost him to a stillborn loss halfway through my pregnancy. And, you know, I completely shut down. I closed the world out. 
you know, I shut the world out, like all of my family and friends, you know, trying to reach out. I couldn't do pick up or drop off at the school because I was so ashamed and embarrassed, even though I shouldn't have been, but that's just how I felt. And um, I really kind of just shut down. And my black lab duchess, the day I found out I came home and she just came up to me and laid her her chin on my my lap and just never left my side. And she does this to this day, you know, anytime she senses I'm overwhelmed or stressed, which is a lot recently. And, you know, she does it with my daughter who's special needs. And she's just got this incredible soul and angelic, like, demeanor about her that she's just very in tune. And yeah, so for two months after I lost my son, I really didn't leave my house. And during that time, I had two and a four-year-old to take care of. And there were days I didn't want to get out of bed. There were a lot of days I didn't want to get out of bed. And Mm -hmm. Duchess would, I'd be like hiding under the covers and I'd just feel this little like snout tuck in and just start licking my arm or leg or whatever she could get to, to, you know, nudge me and get me out of bed and say, go take care of these babies, you know, like, so she was kind of my ride or die in a lot of sense. Like I didn't allow a lot of people in during that time for several months. And she was one of the only beings I did allow in. And she was just so incredibly supportive. I relied a lot on her emotionally as far as just like being there for me. And so when this opportunity came around, I really felt like this dog is eight years old. And in the eight years that I've had her, I've never once been able to give her one-on-one undivided attention from mom because it's always taking care of the kids, the husband, the other dog. And Mm -hmm. so as much as I was talking myself out of doing the pack, because as a mom, I'm like, I can't leave my kids. My husband's like, go for it. And part of me is also like, this could be just such an ultimate moment for me to be able to give this dog that has literally given me everything of her, like every ounce of her she has given to me. So to be able to give back and like pour such love and attention and fun and adventure into just her without the distraction of the kids and the other dogs. It was really incredibly special for us. And I think both of us, our personal growth and confidence and love for adventure was just all ignited. So as far as like transformation, this whole experience and journey was like literally life-changing for Duchess and I. Wow. Honestly, things happen for a reason when they do. Yeah, that you just showed, you just proved it. It was amazing, and thank you for asking. And it made the story a little longer than it probably. No, that's okay. I am like thanking Duchess right now. (laughs) You can't visualize it, but yeah, they are. There's, I mean, and Kentucky will tell you his story too. But like, they are. They're such lifesavers to Mm -hmm. us. And I mean, gosh, this pandemic, the nine months. I don't know how I would have gotten through it without my dogs because. My kids and I and my husband, like my kids haven't seen a classroom since March. It's been really, really hard. And every day there's a lot of challenges. And our dogs, my Black Lab Duchess and my St. Bernard Duke, they keep us smiling and laughing every single day. And then they're there for us when we're sobbing, crying. And it's like, I'm just so grateful for these souls because they have got it. I swear they are like the reason I'm like still afloat during this time. 
Well, they are helping with the transition, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> we're, we're just going to have a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking about the experiences behind the scenes of the reality TV series, The Pack. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Nicole, Lucy, and Kentucky from the show The Pack on Amazon Prime. Kentucky, like you had me on edge on that last episode, but we won't get into details because we're just going to want to leave it for people to watch. (laughs) Yeah. So how did Derby come into your life? You have a good story as well. So yeah, I got Derby when I was living in Atlanta, Georgia, and this was seven years ago. Derby's actually eight years old. I was looking to getting a doodle. Uh, I never really knew much about them. I just knew they just didn't shed very much, but I did realize <laughs> that they were really expensive. <laughs> and oh. uh, yeah. And so I was talking to some friends and a buddy of mine's family members had gotten a doodle. They had two kids and one on the way and they realized that they just didn't have time for him. Derby only knew the kennel and the backyard for almost a year and a half. Uh, they, they didn't have time to actually train him. I heard he had stolen a turkey off a, a countertop. He had eaten a couple of dresses. And uh, yeah, he, he just needed a little bit more guidance. So when they found out that I was looking for one, they basically gave him to me. And uh, I was so ecstatic. And from that right then, I knew that we were going to be best friends. His original name was Midas. I think he looked like a Midas. And so I kind of reached out to my friends on Facebook and uh, they kind of said, dude, you should be Kentucky and Derby. (laughs) 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 But uh, Derby was, uh, I lived in Midtown Atlanta. And um, so I tried to take Derby on walks and he was really, really skittish. He didn't, he jumped at car doors, slamming grates on the sidewalk. He wouldn't even uh, walk up to people or strangers. He just didn't understand because he, you know, he just knew his family. So mm-hmm. I told him, I was like, man, I'm going to, you're going to be with me everywhere I go. We're going to build your confidence up and uh, we're going to take you everywhere. And that's where I started. Just long walks, taking him to the dog park, letting him meet everyone. Yeah, and, exactly. And his confidence started to grow. At the same time, uh, you know, I'd been in the nightclub bar business for almost 20 years. 
And uh, being in that business kind of takes a toll on you. Drugs and alcohol are a big part of being in the nightlife. And yeah, it's yeah. to wear on my body. <laughs> exactly. uh, I tell people that uh, I was burning the candle at both ends and I knew it. And uh, at the very last part of me living there, I, I had shut myself off from a lot of people and uh, had a couple of moments when I probably, if it wasn't for Derby, I probably wouldn't be here. And I realized uh, Derby was the only reason I left my apartment at some times, just because he needed to go outside and pee. And that got me out of the house and, or just getting me on a walk. And mm-hmm. that's when I realized I needed to make a change. So four years ago, my sister here in San Diego gave me an, a chance to come live with her and start over. We loaded up my truck. If it didn't fit or get on there, it got sold or left. I didn't tell a lot of people we left and we made the four day journey across the country. And I'll tell you right now, I could not have done that by myself if it wasn't Derby with me. Cause uh, it's really hard to pick up and move and everyone, you know, and everything you've known all for the last 10 years and start over new. But uh, he was there with me the whole time. And uh, once we got to uh, San Diego, we realized that we were home and uh, we started our new life. And it was, uh, you know, I, Definitely accredit that to him being there by my side the whole time. So I feel like we kind of helped each other out in a time when we were both at our lowest point. And, uh, and here we are today. Seems like it. Well, good for you. You're very brave for just picking up and starting fresh. And then it's, it's funny because we call them rescue dogs, but really, who's doing the rescuing? Right? <laughs> <Exactly>. like, <laughs> geez. Yeah, Kentucky. It's just, it's just, I was really drawn to you guys in the show and Derby and, and his blase about anything. I'll do anything. Well, I'll, well, as long as Kentucky's with me, I'll just do it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's that's what he's always been. It's It's been amazing. I mean, he's he just understands like he's going to be okay as long as we're together. Yeah. Clearly, he and can I just, says that. Can I add on to his story? Because yeah, for sure. I, w- I was fortunate enough to be on the Blue Pack with Kentucky and Derby. Duchess and I were. And we were paired together from day one. First potty break, first helicopter, everything. Ah, okay. And when every country we went to together, it was like one of my favorite things was watching people react when they saw Kentucky and Derby, (laughs) you could take the most stoic Austrian male in a three piece suit walking down the street and they would see Kentucky and Derby and they would light up. And then a school would walk by in Italy and all the kids and like it literally watching them bring so much smiles and joy all over the world. I felt like I was getting the front row seat to this really beautiful connection of like, nobody knew, you know, we had this language barrier, but this universal joy that they were able to bring. And then to connect that with the story of Kentucky and Derby and where they started out and where they Uh are today, like mama bear is so freaking proud of you guys. And (laughs) like... It's just such a full circle moment because the two of them, they have brought some, so much joy to the world, even before the show came out. And now the show's out and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy the world gets to meet these two because they are just as genuine and joyful as they are as you see them like on camera and stuff. So very big fans. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Yay! Yay, Derby, Kentucky. I um, think there's something about all the dogs that someone at home can relate to. Kentucky sure. and Derby are just very unique. And so everybody, you have to smile. You can't help it. Like, no matter if you understand what they're saying to you, you're like, oh my gosh. But I think there's people at home who are moms and you can relate and see Lucy and you can see Donna with a little dog and relate. I have a little white fluffy dog too. And oh my God, look how much they're accomplishing. And 
there's that sense of knowing none of these are studio trained dog trainer dogs. These are mm -hmm. regular people who have bad days and good days like all of us and turn to their dogs. And I think that's a big thing about seeing the show. We have such a wide variety of dogs, breeds, sizes, ages that you relate to somebody. And I think that's so important nowadays where a lot of For us sure. are alone and yes. Yes. lost and being able to tune in and relate to something just feels really special. Exactly. Exactly. That's why even the, the launch of the show probably came out when it did, right? For people to start feeling that anything helps nowadays. Yeah, I think um, when we made it, we knew everybody would like it because who doesn't love to see dogs having fun? But I don't think we realized how important it would be and how yeah. much people would need it like exactly. in their hearts. <laughs> yeah, we had no we had no idea that the pandemic was lurking and awaiting us as soon as it yeah. uh, wrapped. So it is. It's like the feel good. I tell my friends, it's like a family friendly, kid friendly, dog friendly, feel good series of the holidays that everybody just needs right now. It's just so positive and you know, even with the competition element, at the end at every finish line, you're going to see green pack and blue pack hugging each other, checking in on each other, crying with each yeah, other. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. there was so much genuine love and respect amongst all of us humans and dogs. And I really think that really shows in the footage too. For sure. So needed. And I know Lucy, you've mentioned the highlights. However, <laughs> what were some of the hardest parts of the show? And anyone can chime in here. Like what were the, the biggest challenges? My biggest challenge by far was being away from my kids. I felt like every day for the 60 days I was there, it was the actual pack challenges or elimination challenges. And then this other challenge I was competing with against my own self. And that was being away uh, from my kids. So gotcha. I, think, I think for me, that was my hardest thing was just kind of balancing that mom guilt of like, like, I don't deserve to be here. I should be at home with my kids kind of thing mm -hmm. versus the other side of me saying, I'm going to be a better mom because of this. I should be here. I deserve to be here. I want to show my kids how strong and brave and courageous their mom and dog are. So I think that internal struggle for me was easily the biggest challenge, you know, not even to mention like the physical challenge. The biggest challenge for me as far as the show specific challenges was definitely uh, the truffle digging in Italy. That was very, very hard and taxing emotionally and physically. And yeah, that was hard. <laughs> I, I often say hashtag truffle trauma because it was very traumatic. How about for you, Kentucky? What was the hardest parts for you? Oh, the hardest part for me was the running and the cardio. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. <laughs> I thought I was kind of in shape, but... You know, I didn't expect to be running in some countries that elevations were over 8,000 feet up above. I mean, I live at sea level in San Diego and uh, my chest was on fire. I probably should have done some more running before this, but, you know, I didn't think, you know, the dogs aren't going to run a lot, but we aren't. But we did a lot <laughs> of uh, running and speed walking. But, you know, with all that running, even the show makes it look like we ran constantly there. You know, there were definitely a lot of stop downs for the rest for me and the dogs. <laughs> I noticed. I was like, wow, that's a lot of running. <laughs> I feel like us humans, we're like, yeah, the dogs need a break. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it kept going. It was like all human. And were they at, like when uh, you guys were in Costa Rica, like it's super hot there, right? How did the dogs handle that? Oh, they handled it pretty well. I mean, there was always stop downs. There was always water available anywhere we went. In our backpacks, we carried water. And, oh, uh, the fat to your uh, weight there. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. out of the weight, but you know, there was essential stuff we had to have, you know, in for case, sure. and, uh, yeah, anytime a dog looked like it was thirsty, you know, we stopped getting water and, and, uh, just, you know, make sure they were okay. From a training perspective, once we figured out our roots, Nick and I actually changed some of the challenges. Like if it seemed too active for a city based on the temperature there, because mm-hmm. we didn't want them running in that heat. So we yeah. worked really closely with the challenge department on making sure we are choosing the correct challenges per cities. And then another part of that is they had these really heavy backpacks of stuff they all had to carry. I know Lucy can say (laughs) some stories about this, but it had tons of stuff that you often don't see. Like they have a dog bed, they have a water bottle, they have bowls, and we checked to make sure their water bottles were full. And this was unselfishly just for the dogs. Because as I'm trying my best to run behind them and our other dog safety team members, these people are really fast. have water available if their dog is thirsty there's booties there's like jackets it's a full thing and 90 percent of the time they never used any of it but just in case they need some water they had it on them so we definitely tried to set them up for success the best we could which meant yeah. everyone had to carry really heavy backpacks to feel awful about and well nicole it sounds like you weren't exempt from that workout no i'd say The hardest parts for me were selfishly leaving my own dogs. That was really hard because I'm Uh, obviously a dog lover. And right before I left, a family member passed away. And then I'm without my dog. So it was just tough because I'm surrounded by dogs. So I was like, (laughs) like, can I hug your dog? (laughs) Can I cuddle your dog? Mm -hmm. So I'm just making sure my dogs are getting care at home. My dogs go everywhere with me. They ride horses with me. They paddleboard with me. They do everything. So it's a big change for them. So I tried to set them up for success, making sure they have puzzle games that friends are coming to watch, walk them and give them mental enrichment too. And then for the show, I knew the dogs were trained. I had like very big confidence in that because I could see how hard the partners were working, which is something when Nick and I started, we didn't know how it would go. Um, yeah. We don't know how good everyone's going to do doing their homework, but everyone did absolutely amazing. So I wasn't nervous about that, but just watching people go home is definitely sad because it's people I consider to be my friends and people I want to like help or cheer on, but you can't, I can't give anybody training advice. Everybody has to be there. Yes. So we took into things like that. And once we hit the road, we would do like a little bit of scent work before a scent challenge or something, but I couldn't give them too much help because now it's a competition. Yeah. So that was hard. And I'm definitely not a runner. I'm not really even a fitness person. So (laughs) trying to keep up with them, even like staying behind, I think I was running behind Lucy's team when they were speed walking and I like was dying. So <laughs> I did it, but it was, they are very athletic humans and dogs. And I'm learned I am not at all. I was definitely the slowest runner. And I feel like the people who didn't like to run, like the camera and audio team, it was like, let's put them with Lucy. She's a lot slower than some of these other people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I swear. Cause I, I, yeah. I, the running can, I can go along with that. There was a lot of running. And for someone who's never run a day in her life by choice before this show, it was definitely a a change. And And Duchess killed it. Like I was struggling to keep up. (laughs) Duchess, Duchess is just, she's a lab. So she's a natural runner. She's fast. She's got endurance. So she kept me going, but like those backpacks, Sometimes Kentucky was carrying two backpacks at a time because we were on the same team. And when I couldn't breathe either, 
my guy, my wingman, my go-to was like, give me your backpack, mama. I got this. So even though he's struggling, he's carrying my backpack to make it easier for me to run. So this is the kind of guy I'm talking about, like just salt to the earth, best kind of person, you know. A team events and stuff like that. So like, you know, just because one person crosses the finish line doesn't mean that you're finished. Everybody has to cross the finish line. So that was right. one of the things I wanted to make sure is like, you know, being first in a team is not going to help. We got to all be there. So I was making sure everybody got got across. Before he did. Before yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Even wow. though he could outrun us, he would make sure everybody else got across the finish line before him. That and is then, a true leader right there. That's that's the real leader of a pack. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like and if you look the whole up, morale up when everybody was like yeah. exhausted and just like tired, Kentucky's like grinning and cracking jokes still. Yeah. We're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but if, if you research pack like wolf packs and you look at like the alpha wolf, right? They're not the first wolf in the line. You know, the beta is. The alpha is always behind, Yes, yeah. you know, the elderly in the back, making sure they're protected. So Kentucky was, maybe other people were viewed as more of an alpha, but honestly, he was like the silent but deadly man. He was just as fierce and talented, but he just kind of did it through action. And he really was our leader of the pack for sure. Good for you, Kentucky. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up here. I hope you guys do stay in touch with each other. We are out of time, and I really, really appreciate you guys coming on today. And thanks to our show producer, Mark Winter, for making the show possible. So be sure to check out the series on Amazon Prime if you haven't already. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me at Beverly at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.